Hi, my name is Sam Holtzman with the Enterprise Architecture Center of Excellence. The sole mission of our organization is to help your organization move from the industrial age through the internet age into the information age. Since 1972, our firm has been dedicated to the practice of enterprise architecture and what we refer to now as Enterprise Architecture 3.0. Enterprise Architecture 1.0 began with Dewey Walker in 1966, when at IBM he came up with the process called business systems planning. And that was focused on understanding the enterprise through the eyes of building information systems. Enterprise Architecture 2.0 was best defined by what is referred to as the BAIT model, Business Application Information Technology Architectures, more correctly termed EITA, Enterprise Information Technology Architecture, which is focused on understanding what is needed to be done prior to implementation of information systems. We're now moving to EA 3.0, which is about information not focused on the internet and technology as a delivery mechanism alone. We're moving into the information age, and EA 3.0 that we practice is about understanding the enterprise and business through a series of human consumable representations rather than looking at the enterprise and business through the eyes of a computer system or a compiler. Enterprise Architecture 3.0 is best described and defined as the enabler of business strategy. Please join us in this journey. We provide online courses, workshops, classroom-based, and full enterprise architecture support. We look forward to hearing from you either through email or call us. We'll be happy to speak with you soon. Welcome. Thank you for joining me today. My name is Sam Holzman. Uh, this is another edition of Real Talk with Sam Holzman. That's me. And the topic for today, as you can see on the screen, is optimizing and streamlining information technology IT for business agility. And this is a continuing uh, a series of uh, broadcasts, webinars, uh, papers that we write, podcasts on topics of enterprise architecture, business architecture, the soft skills involved in uh, understanding and developing uh, business architects and enterprise architects, and all sorts of topics regarding how enterprise and business architecture can enable business, as you're seeing here, agility or business strategy. The objective of business architecture and enterprise architecture is not a series of systems, but enabling the business strategy. And we're going to be talking about that. And in order to do this, especially now uh, with all of the discussions around digital transformation and phrases like that and agility of the business, we need to optimize and streamline how we deliver those solutions to our business partners as we move forward. So let's get started in our session today. And so for a little bit of background, there's this increased emphasis and the phrase that is used nowadays is digital transformation. And of course it has a gazillion definitions plus one. And of course the same phrase agility uh, that we see a lot of areas in enterprises worldwide. In other words, the emphasis is on some kind of mechanization, computerization to enable stakeholders and customers to interact or provide services or products as best as possible. Unfortunately, we have the internet. And when I say unfortunately, as we all know, one of the great things about the internet is anybody can write anything about anything. And one of the problems with the internet is anybody can write anything about anything. 
And it's becoming more difficult to separate facts from beliefs, experiences from opinions, and sound practices from declarations. And you see this all the time. Someone says, this is the standard XYZ, self-declaring, or this is the approach to XYZ. And it just stated. Well, the field appears so irregular because academia, publications, consultants, and practitioners present IT practices with disparate voices, advancing a multitude of approaches, basically the ones that they're most interested in or selling, frankly, meanings and sets of expectations. This is going to transform the universe. Trust me. <laughs> Anytime you hear that, you may want to put your hand over your wallet because it will probably cost you some money. Some based on internet writings. We have to remember that the internet does not have best practices. It has published practices. And with all due respect, best practices cost money. I mean, let's think about it for a moment. And this is what's important as we look at this. Some things are based on conjecture, some based on opinion, and yes, some things based on sound practices. And I know may, I may sound like I'm a hype meister myself, I understand that. But we have done more enterprise and business architectures than anyone else in the world, bar none. We've been at this since 1972. Now, what we're providing here for you is an overview of some of the practices that we're talking about, of course. That's all we can do in, in a session like this. So we're going to talk about fact-based descriptions, not based on conjecture, but based on actual practices with clients all over the world. And we are privileged to do this. To this concept that we call digital transformation, and we will define it. And also the word agility. What does that actually mean? Now, these are going to be grounded in practices and principles based on decades of field engagements and experiences, not by interviewing a bunch of people that, out, uh, that are out there and putting together a collective set of thoughts, but on actual practice. You are talking to a practitioner, and I hope that comes through, that we are a practicing organization. Yes, we do teaching. Yes, we do certification. Yes, we do consulting, and that's where we're getting, you're getting the information that we are talking about. Now, what is digital transformation? It's an investment. It's an investment and alignment of optimized or new business models. We can optimize or you can optimize the existing business models and organization, or you can come up with new ones that are out there that weren't there before. We're gonna be using some technologies that best engage the customer. That's what we're talking about. How do we get the customer a frictionless experience as possible. A frictionless experience as possible. It doesn't mean that we have to write programs faster. <laughs> what it means is we have to understand the word customer. Another phrase that some people use is stakeholders. Why do I use the word customer? Because they're the ones that are actually paying the bill. This is place additional demands on the technology organization in the business because they're the delivery mechanism, the technology people are the delivery mechanism for all of this that we're talking about. 
Couple this with the recognition that transformations may involve both business changes and technology changes. We as technologists may have to change the way we approach coming up with solutions. The business may have to rethink the way that they deliver products and services based on these also. So it's not one or the other, it's both. Changes in the business model itself may occur. Cultural and value realignments, measurements, measuring the number of lines of code and technology is not going to mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Let me ask the question. Are you better off if you have more lines of code or less lines of code? Don't even know that. It's not the relevant question that's there. And we may have this concept of quote, organizational transformations, meaning how does the organization function within itself, with, with itself and the technology group? Should they be in the same area? Should they be different? And how about the quote, customer? How do we interact with those people there? And what is the IT business model? And we'll chat about this with a little bit of humor, I hope, but a little bit of seriousness also. Okay, we'll at least review that need that's there. The pressure on IT to deliver technology-enabled change to the business can be looked at negatively. Or, as we hope you'll see in this broadcast, is an opportunity to really bring agility to the business. It is not agile programming. It is not agile architecture. It is bringing agility to the business through these techniques. That's the key measure. Not putting a label on something that now is called agile this or capability that or XYZ strategy, but how do we enable business agility? The phrase we used in the olden days was business flexibility. Now we're using the word agility. Of course, we have agile for everything in the universe as we all know that's out there. How can IT leaders actually bring this about? We'll bring you an introduction to this. Our agenda for today, four things we wanna discuss. Number one, this concept of root cause analysis. In other words, what we're gonna to try to demonstrate to you is how we got to these conclusions. How did we get to these conclusions? How do we actually get to the recommendations we're gonna to provide to you? Then we're gonna break those down into two categories. What is the technology perspective? What are the issues that we can look at in the technology organization that are causing some of these lack of responsiveness to the speed that the business is looking for? Not how many lines of code that you can write a day, but to respond to business change. This is about change accelerating the ability to deal with business change. Faster, better, cheaper, as we always talk about it. We'll also take a look at this from a business perspective. Why? Because possibly some things need to be done there, or maybe it's the relationship between the business and the technologists that need to be looked at. And then we'll talk about moving forward. We'll talk about the benefits of some of these new approaches and also the process, if I can use that phrase, or the methodology. 
So what is this concept of root cause analysis? Maybe you've heard about it before. It is a problem identification and solving method. It has been around for decades. It moves away from opinions and tries to come to the actual, as you'll see in a moment, what is the actual root cause? Not what looks like a Band-Aid, for example, but the root cause of, of the things that we're seeing. In other words, the lack of the ability of the technology to keep up with business change. Now, root cause analysis focused on identifying these issues or errors that would prevent the issue or error from occurring in the future. So what we're trying to do here is to figure out what the issues are so that we can provide solutions to the business faster, better, cheaper. So what we have to recognize, if it happens again, it's not a root cause, it's something else. So if we keep having cyber attacks and cyber attacks and cyber attacks and ransomware and ransomware and more and more technology that's being behind and more and more hacking that's occurring, then we have to recognize that what we're doing isn't a root cause. It's a symptom of something else. So the root cause is the causal or contributing factor that when corrected, would prevent this problem from occurring again. So that's what we're looking for. Not another whiz-bang technological magic that we believe is gonna take the pain away, but what actually is going to affect what is going on. There are a tremendous number of techniques. This is just a set of six things that we use to try to analyze what is going on. There's various sets of interaction from ourselves as analysts and business people to figure out what the root cause analysis is. Fishbone diagrams, failure mode analysis, Pareto charts, scatter diagrams, fault tree analysis, 5Y analyses. It is not the purpose of this specific broadcast to talk about these various methods. I just wanted to bring them out to you. But if you are interested in root cause analysis, I wanna point you to a webinar we did that was specifically looking at the root cause of cybersecurity. And within that, we described these techniques in quite a bit of detail so that you can see how it's done. So if you're interested in root cause analysis and, and whether or not you're interested in cybersecurity, which you probably are, you can go to this broadcast and see whether or not, and, and see what this is all about, this concept of root cause analysis. And that's available to you on our website. So let's take a look at this for a moment from a technology perspective. So the root cause analysis from a technology perspective. And in order to do this, I'm gonna give you some analogies. And they may sound a bit bizarre or strange to you right now, but just bear with me for a few minutes. Because what I'm trying to do here is to relate to you what is going on here? What actually is going on to look at this root cause? So one of the root causes, again, this is the analogy, 
is the concept of a buffet. Now, what is that? Well, we got a little bit of this, and we got a little bit of that, and we got a little bit of this, and a little bit of that. And, you know, I don't know exactly when it was made. Maybe this stuff was made two hours ago or one hour ago. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, miscellaneous. It doesn't mean it's bad, but it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Remember, these are analogies. The second analogy, fast food. Fast food. What do I mean here as an analogy? Got to get this now. Got to get this now. Get it out the door. Get it out the door. How fast can you make this thing? How fast can you make this thing? How fast can you make this thing? Then the third analogy I want to use, and then we'll bring this back around to the technology issues, is snack foods. A little sample. <laughs> A little sample. Oh, let's try this, and let's try this, and let's try this, and let's try this, and let's try that, and let's try this, and let's try this, and let's try that. And then we have another this and that that we want to try. All of this results in, unfortunately, and I know you can't see my whole body here, okay, a little bit of bloat. I'm not going to tell you if this is a self-portrait or not. Again, bear with me now for just a moment. Let's keep calm. Don't blame the messenger now. And what I'm going to do here now is to relate these analogies to a few things in technology. Please remember, don't blame the messenger. Just recognize what is going on. Now, what is the analogy of the buffet into technology? One of the ones is commercial off-the-shelf packages, COTS packages. What? 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 Yeah. It's a buffet. You get this massive thing, a gazillion plus 10% lines of code with modules to do this and modules to do that. And it's your job or your organization's job to pick and choose a few things that you may think will give you what you want. And you sort of taste it. And well, that's not exactly what I was looking for. That's a buffet because that's the way it appears. It's what is there. And that's COTS packages. And of course, COTS packages, commercial off-the-shelf packages, have some benefits. Don't get me wrong. Variety. But is it the thing that will give you competitive advantage? Well, of course not, because anybody can get at it. But there's some benefits to that. Now, another analogy for just a moment, okay? And this one should scare you a little bit if the COTS packages didn't. And here's an example. How many of these programming languages exist in your organization? This is another concept of the buffet. This is the 55 most widely used programming language, just an alphabetical list. Think about this for a moment. Let's take a breath and think about what you're seeing here. What is the cost of maintaining all these languages, let alone the applications that use them? And these costs include licensing and hardware and implementation and updates and training. This to me is a bit lunacy at this point. Well, we have our favorite. Well, let's take the 55 
and reduce it by one maybe, or 10 or 50. Or let's think about and take a breath for a moment and say, what are we doing? What is the objective? The objective is business agility. Well, maybe we've gone a little overboard in these languages. And this is just one example, because it's easy to pick and choose. We have our favorite of the moment. It's X, Y, Z. And then somebody comes along and says, hey, let's put another thing on the buffet and see if this works. But the other ones never disappear. And we're building this massive cost structure, this massive structure that we as a organization, as a company, as a division, a department, as an agency in the government, whatever you're looking for, and the costs keep rising. That's the concept we have to look at. Now let's look at fast food for a moment and the analogy there. Agile, actual agile, whatever you want to call it. agile programming, agile analysis, whatever it is, okay. Fast, 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 faster, 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 smaller, 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 smaller. And there's some interesting cartoons out there. There's some interesting cartoons over there. The old waterfall method. There's bad agile. <laughs> and there's real agile. I do like this. I'm sorry. And we have to remember what we're trying to do. And a couple of more, quote, cartoons that look like this. And you've probably seen this one. Okay. We start off with what is perceived to be what we're hearing from the customer. And we go through all of these iterations that look funny, but they're not. Okay. And what the customer actually wanted was something like this. What is the cost of these iterations that are going on? And of course, we've now introduced in some areas this concept of a minimal viable product, whatever that means in the context of what you're talking about. We see the product's goals, the market needs, the development's understanding, the beta we think was released, the beta that we did release, what sales sold, post-beta updates and the launch product. Oh my goodness. Again, you know I'm having a little fun here, but do you see the seriousness of what's going on here? Iteration, 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 iteration. Think about a 100-story building for a moment. How do you iterate to the 100-story building? That's your enterprise. That's your business. We got to rethink what is going on. And then it comes to the last analogy, forgive me, snack foods, cloud computing. The latest of a series of magical things. There is nothing wrong with cloud computing. Let me stress again, but it is not going to address as we see here, because if you haven't been following the literature, we now talk about and see and organizations are going to what they call the cloud repatriation movement. But Sam, the headlines, 
you got to look at more than one source to get the underlying understanding of what is going on. And if you are interested in cloud computing, there's another webinar that I did that traces cloud computing back to the seventh iteration of time sharing. It's not that it's bad, but it's the sampling approach. And I just want to give you a taste for the sampling that's going to come up. Here's just a few things that may, may be coming up also. And we'll put that into the snack food label that's out there. Let's try this and let's try this and let's try this and let's try this. There's nothing wrong with trying it, but making it a religion, so to speak, in your organization is actually a constraint. And as you see here, a massive long-term cost that reduces the ability of the business to be agile. It reduces it because we got all this legacy that's out there, which results in software and technology bloat. And another name for that is technical debt. And that's the root cause of technical debt. The reason we're behind, so to speak, in technology, whether it's software or hardware or both or whatever it is, is not because of some myster myster mysterious thing here. It's traceable, as you can see here, to the actions that we're taking. We're all enamored with this shiny new object that's out there, rather than focusing in, as you'll see in a moment, what is the objective? And the objective for you and I as technologists, if I'm speaking to technologists now, or the business people should recognize, is to help the business run better to enable them to achieve the goals and strategies and missions that they want. That's our job. And we'll get to that a little bit later on, which requires us to think or rethink the end state objective, which is processing data. Sam, it's not that simple. Yes. What are we doing? We are processing data. Think about this for a moment. We're processing data, which means we got to understand two things. And there's a few more things, of course. Process and data. Duh. Well, what's all this other baggage that we have out there? Great question. And we are processing data to do what? Enable the business goals as quick to, quickly and effectively as possible. That's the end state objective of the technology organization, or should be, to enable the business goals as quickly, as effectively as possible. Not a bunch of diagrams, not a bunch of flows, not a bunch of whiz-bang technological magic that may or may not help, but this is the end objective, and this is the measurement that allows business agility, business flexibility, all the things that we need to do. And we're going to get a seat at the big person's table if we do this. Let's take a quick look here for just a moment of the root cause analysis from the business perspective. And this, may, this one may surprise you, but I'll be explaining this in just a moment. The number one root cause from a business perspective is from a business person 
or a business organization's perspective, accepting that the person paying the bill is a U-S-E-R, a user. That phrase is a mindset that the technology people, whether it's conscious, subconscious, or unconscious, have that word is a huge problem. Not the word itself, but the reaction because of that word. The person or group paying the bill is the customer. The customer. A bit of an uncomfortable analogy for you. A bit of an uncomfortable analogy for you. To make a point, there are only two, in quote, professions that use the term user for the people paying the bill. A bit uncomfortable. One is the illicit drug trade and the other is IT. What? Yeah. And it's kind of scary. We get them hooked and we charge her more and more for less product. That's the concept of a user, the dependency. But think about this in your own life, outside of IT. Do you walk into a restaurant and the wait staff says to you, oh, thanks for being here, user. Or a car dealer, hey, you want to use this car? <laughs> think about this. It's a mindset, a very important mindset. And that's one of the reasons that at some time ago, we started launching and built this concept of the soft skills as for you and I as technology. The people paying the bills are not users. And you and I should recognize that we don't like that term either. Think about once again in your life, the things that you do, how many times that you pay the bill, are you called a user? You're not. You are a customer. You're holding that check. And if somebody wants the check or the credit card, they have to satisfy you. And you are not a user. You are a customer. So the business people have to push back on us. And we have to be bold enough to start changing our vocabulary. And you know what will happen up here? The mindset will change. I can assure you it will. The words have meaning, as we all know. Is this the end state objective? No, it's not the end state objective. And yet we keep putting this. These are all interim things that the business people may or may not be interested in. You know what the business people want? They want the chocolate cake. Some people in the business may want to see how chocolate cakes are made. Some people may want to know some of the ingredients for various reasons. For example, allergies or, or things like that. But this is what they're looking for. They're not looking for this. Yet we keep coming up with more and more and more and more of these flows and things and all these other things that are going on and wondering why nothing really is happening. Because we are enamored with these intermediate things rather than the end state objective. 
And we have to figure out if this is the end state objective, or this is the end state objective, or this is the end state objective, or this is the end state objective. You mean it's not enough to say I want a cake? Oh, I know what I can do. I can have this as my minimal viable product and then iterate to this. this. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yes, we're having a little bit of fun here. Or maybe the end state objective is this. Okay. The concept of a user is different than the concept of a customer. Remember who the customer is. The customer pays the bill. Now, one other thing that we have to recognize from a business perspective. And this is where you and I, when we become trusted advisors, can actually help the business. And that's the concept of business optimization. And there's some phrases in here. We don't wanna pave over the cow path, so to speak. Lift and shift. We're just moving this to a new, a new thing that's out there. So business optimization leads to business transformation, which leads to business, excuse me, leads to digital transformation, which then leads to business agility from optimizing and streamlining IT. There's a cascading situation and you and I can help the business be optimized if they let us in, I understand that, trusted advisors, which leads to business transformation, the business model, which leads to digitization of some things, not everything, which will lead to business agility, which will be enabled from optimizing and streamlining IT. So what is the definition of this? Optimizing and streamlining IT for business agility is defined as follows. It's a strategic approach for systematically removing, deleting, or retiring outdated or costly technologies and applications, understanding the end state business objectives to be met, the chocolate cake, so to speak, and ensuring that the focus of the technology organization is enabling business goals and strategy in the most efficient, cost-effective, maintainable from both a short and long-term perspective. The word maintainable. There was a critical statement decades ago by President John F. Kennedy. If you go back in the archives, he stated one day, and I don't, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Our objective is put a man on the moon by the end of the decade, comma, and bring him back. <laughs> this was a key thing. That's the objective. Not to land on the moon or build a rocket ship, so to speak or build a platform, but the full cycle, the closed loop that we're talking about. So optimizing and streamlining IT for business agility, how do we do this? Through essentially this series of actions. So let's take a look at this. 
Now we have set the stage for this. So first we're gonna talk about the benefits before we talk about the process. Yep, we're gonna talk about the benefits of doing this first, okay? Simplified and standardized infrastructure. Simple, 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 simple. And if some of you have heard my broadcast before, one of the broadcasts we have is something, uh, a webinar called, Some People Revel in Complexity. They are enamored with increasing the complexity because they feel it makes them more important. And I understand the desire and the, the for, to be more important. I hope, I'd sure want that also. But that doesn't mean we should add more and more complexity to the environment. Simplified and standard infrastructure because this is a means to an end, not an end in and of itself. Obsolete non-strategic applications are eliminated. Software will be elevated to current release levels. These are just simple things that we, we need to make sure. Common platforms, utilities, and shared environments will be, continue to be built out. Commonization. The technology is a means to an end. I've been saying that throughout our broadcast and I will continue. It's a means to an end. And the end is achieving the business objectives. And we know things are changing all the time. The less we have to migrate, the easier it is to be migratable. <laughs> we got 87 things, we got 55 different programming languages, and now we got to go to XYZ. It's, it's crazy, absolute crazy. Reduced IT spending. Yes, more for less. Faster product and service introductions. Concept of agility, being able to produce things faster. Reliability and availability of these applications is going to increase because it's less complex, less complex. Reduce risk of overall app for the application portfolio. Think about the cyber situation now. All of those different languages and all of those different, if you haven't done this yet, the concept of the software supply chain, to see the complexities that are out there in any one of those could cause an issue that's out there. Proactive approach to problem resolution, less is more. Enhanced testing and support as you move forward. Graver overall efficiencies and maximizing the value of the current asset. And we'll be talking about that in just a moment, which lays the foundation for future growth. As you'll see in a moment, I'm not talking about throwing everything out and starting all over again. I know that's not practical and I'm not even going to suggest it because it's not practical and it's not going to happen. And what are some of the problems? Skyrocketing maintenance budgets. I don't know how many of you know what that is, but it keeps going up. Think about supporting 55 programming languages, for an example. Okay. Growing need for security. I don't have to go any further with that statement. Please remember, the evildoers out there have to find one hole. You have to make sure there aren't any. You have that map, so to speak, to be able to see what is going on. Skills. Not only about today, but yesterday. Escalating costs, whether it's data center or cloud. Remember the cloud repatriation movement. People's cloud bills are going ballistic. Look beyond the headlines on the sources of information that you have out there. 
you'll see what's going on. I know it's being touted in general. Look beyond that. Look at your own costs, for example, and see what's going on. Escalating costs of cloud deployments. Yes, they're going up. I'm not bashing cloud. What I'm doing is positioning cloud as one of the things that you may, 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 may use in your portfolio, but not the end all that's out there because of the costs involved and actually a number of risks that people are finding. The enormity of the application portfolio, how many things do you actually need out there? Continuous reduction of budgets. Things are getting tough out there. The challenges that, that you're gonna face and we're gonna help you here, hopefully in this uh, broadcast, is where do, you, where do you start? Where, where do you start? This is not a big bang approach here. I, we just never recommend that, okay? Validating the current portfolio to secure adequate IT budget. What is, is it an enormous thing that you're facing or a little thing? Let's not fool anybody. Do you have an inventory of your applications? Do you have an inventory of the hardware you're using? Within that, do you have the versions that you have there? Do you know who the vendors are? Where the software is? What revisions are it? What operating system is it running under? Where's it sourced? Is there a health test going on here? Is it healthy? And there's an application health check you should be doing. Okay. Is it clean and lean or are there processes all over the place? Data redundancies. The phrase we like to use is we need one version of the truth. And we know that sometimes sounds funny, but we need one version of the truth. Is there a value that you can place on each application that's out there? And we always see the redundancy creep. We keep adding and adding and adding and adding. Why don't we think about subtracting? Let's think about reducing rather than adding first. There are some enormities of things that you'll find when you start looking. The end activity I'll suggest to you is to optimize. I didn't say reduce or minimize. Optimize the number of applications within your application portfolio that map to your business drivers and business goals. Now here is the ultimate. Ensure that each process and data are automated in applications as few times as possible, ideally only once. Well, Sam, no, why not? Each process has one mechanization and the data is located in one and only one place. One version of the truth. Yeah, but I have to distribute this all over the world. That's a different question. Replication is different than redundancy. Let me repeat, replication is different than redundancy. You may do replication because of performance issues in the hardware and software and networks. We understand that. But the application itself and the mechanization, optimal one and only one time, and we want to align those applications with business units and the goals that they support. And a final set of benefits. 
We want to make sure that we can support the business as it moves forward, because it will move forward. Also determine the degree and quality of automation of, of the current and, by the way, future business processes. How are we doing? We got 80%, 90%, 20%, 60%, 40%, those types of things. Improving the reliability, availability, scalability, and performance. And you've heard these phrases before. Okay. Reduce the cost of applications and enhance the concept of business capabilities. So how do we do this? How do we do this? Again, how do we move forward? There's one word that we have to be comfortable with. And sometimes that word is hard to be comfortable with. And that one word is change. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> some of you may have a lot of change and some of you may have a little change required. And the other thing is gonna be on the back of our mind, and we're gonna think about this up front, is accelerating change. How do we make this so that we can reduce the bloat, the debt, and actually get ahead of the game or at least keep up? We can do this, but we have to change. We have to change what we're doing. So there's a little work that we can do here to figure out how to speed up change. If we, for a moment, take a breath and look outside of technology on how different disciplines have dealt with speeding up change, meeting customer requirements faster and faster and faster. And it, evolve, it talks about a change in how things are built. It comes down to fundamentally a building process. And the source of this is decades of work that resulted in what's referred to as the manufacturing maturity model that we are finally seeing technology organizations go through that other industries have been going through for quite some time. It works. There is no magic at all to this, and it works. Now, in this broadcast, I'm just going to cover this at a, uh, for a very short period of time. But if you are interested in the nuances and the details behind accelerating the ability to keep up with the organizational changes, we have a previous webinar called, unfortunately, Writing Code, a Maturity Level 1 concept. Maturity Level 3 is what we want to get to, which is the techniques behind Assemble to Order, as they are the key to enterprise agility. And in this broadcast, I talk about in much more detail this type of situation. But for this broadcast, I just wanted to cover this for just a few minutes to give you a flavor for what is going on. <clears throat> Most organizations, if you are doing handcrafting, ladies and gentlemen, handcrafting, agile programming, as an example, handcrafting, writing use cases and business process modeling notation and requirements definitions and those types of things, agile programming, 
is in maturity level one. Don't kill the messenger. And it's called make to order. The organization is sitting there, the technology group is sitting there waiting for something to come in the door and some activity happens. And again, I wanna point you to that previous webinar where all the details are discussed about this. Long lead times, higher costs, generally low reliability. Maturity level two, provide from stock. What does that mean to you and I generally? The concept of a commercial off-the-shelf package, a COTS package. But what we have to recognize, you can get benefits from a commercial off-the-shelf package if you change your business to fit the package. Let me repeat this because it sounds kind of scary. You're changing the biz your business to fit the package. All competitive advantage disappears from your particular approaches to business because you're now using a standardized package. Now, people say, well, we're gonna add some things on here to customize this package to make it fit our business model. Okay, let's take a breath and think about that. Now we have the vendor package and the vendor changes. We have your custom code that has your approaches that are in there. We have the interfaces between those. You have increased the complexity in the organization. I'm not saying don't do this, but what we have to recognize is what just happened. What just happened is you increase the complexity in the organization. Well, what does that have to do with meeting business goals? We don't know yet, but we do know it's done one thing, increase the complexity, reduce cost, higher liability, limited flexibility. The key to enterprise and business agility through technology is a change in the solution development process to what's called assemble to order. And ladies and gentlemen, this concept is in your life everywhere, except IT, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and if you go to this previous broadcast, you'll see a little bit more detail, but I just wanna give you one analogy to give you an understanding of what's going on. The word assemble, not make. And the example we give that people have told me is the easiest one to understand is a salad bar. Picture a salad bar for a moment with 16 different ingredients. We've got lettuce and tomatoes and onions and radishes and chicken and ham and uh, garbanzo beans and, and, and olives and green peppers, et cetera, et cetera. 16 elements. How many different salad combinations can we make? Carl Sagan gave us the number, billions and billions. Look at the flexibility and the agility. We don't build salads, we assemble salads. Think about doing this for your organization. You have the salad bar of processes and the salad bar of data. And when a business people need something, you assemble that solution in a heartbeat, so to speak. It's incredible what this does. And there is nothing stopping you from doing this except internal momentum and beliefs that handcrafting will somehow magically and mystically meet the organization's objectives. It can't, it's too slow. It's handcrafting, it's maturity level one. So what we have here 
is a series of incredible benefits, but it involves a change. To get to the end state, which we want to get to, which is optimizing and streamlining IT for business agility. That's what we're trying to do. Bring an agile business environment to that. I am for an agile enterprise. <laughs> I want you to be also. And I don't see how handcrafting solutions, maturity level one, agile whatever, or running your stuff on someone else's computer, cloud computing this or that, will get you to an agile enterprise. I don't see it. I know there's momentum out there, but there's momentum in the other directions too, which is what is fantastic. People are taking a breath and looking at what is actually going on and recognizing that the end state objective is an agile enterprise. And I do think all of this stuff is actually exacerbated and to some degree facilitated the cyber chaos. More and more code leads to more and more hacking opportunities. More and more code leads to more and more cyber security issues. And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So you're also possibly heard about the concept of agile architecture. There's no such thing. Let me summarize. And I have a very brief, less than five minute broadcast if you're interested in this area. Architecture, real enterprise architecture, real business architecture can produce an agile environment that'll achieve the business drivers. But putting a label on the concept of architecture, putting a word in front of it like agile isn't going to change anything. And if you look at my just short broadcast, less than five minutes, you'll see the explanation of why this is just a bunch of marketing hype again. We're not really changing anything. It's labeling things. And as the phrase goes, if you put lipstick on a pig, you still have a pig. But a lot of people are going to rush over there. Ah, we got this new thing out there. Please, please take a quick look at this before this becomes another rat hole that people start changing, changing down. The objective is enterprise and business agility, helping the business run better. So how do we do this? How do we do this? Recognize where you are in solutioning. With a little bit of humor and a little bit of seriousness, is this your approach? Construct, maintain, maintain, maintain. What is that? Version one, version 1.1, version 1.1.2, version 1.1.3.4.5. Or is it plan, analyze, design, construct? What it should be is architect, analyze, design, and assemble to order. Architect, analyze, design, assemble to order. And where did that come from? Centuries of work outside of IT. That's why 100-story buildings stand. That's why airplanes fly. That's why there's effectiveness and efficiencies out there. And we can do that same thing, architect, analyze, design, and assemble to order for technology if we do some changing. So how do we move to an agile enterprise through an agile solution development process? 
first of all, do not throw anything away. <laughs> There's huge expenses in what you're doing right now. Please notice I didn't call it an asset. We're gonna turn them into an asset in just a moment. We've got lots of stuff out there. And my objective with organizations is to use as much of that as possible. Maybe not 100%, I agree. So what we're gonna do is recognize we have a bunch of things out there. I'm putting a label on them, unfortunately. Legacy applications. Anything that's built already is legacy. Doesn't mean it's not being used, but it's legacy. And what we're going to do out there is recognize we need to build two salad bars, so to speak. And we're going to put some names on these. Because in the olden days, we used to be called data processing. And you know what we're doing now? Processing data. So we're going to have two salad bars, so to speak. A data salad bar, we're going to call the data distribution center and a process distribution center, the process salad bar. And what we're going to do is as we move forward into this new maturity level three assemble to order approach, we will feed those centers as much as we can from stuff that's in the legacy applications. And you know what'll happen eventually, it will eventually start disappearing, meaning the legacy. And we'll have eventually two wonderful assets, assets that we can build solutions on. And those new solutions will be architected agile solutions because they're built off of the concept of assembling to order. And over time, and I don't have a timeline that I'm going to give you because I don't know your environments. That stuff will disappear and you will be building solutions off of this that will be agile solutions, so to speak. And they will be sort of like, quote, throwaways. Not that you're going to throw them away on, on purpose. But the end state expense is the salad, so to speak. <laughs> I know the analogy breaks down a little bit. The salad bar is the asset with its ingredients. Once you make a salad, it's going to be, quote, used. Once you have the application, it's out there. But the intellectual capital, the intellectual property, the ability to continually change comes from these distribution centers that are out there. Plus, we can now go back to looking at the business because as you'll see in a moment, there's gonna be a continuous loop and the organization and its structure for optimization because all of this will start feeding to each other. Because as we bring solutions together, there may be changes to the business model. And we have to recognize a phrase that's out there in the world of engineering, an open loop system produces defects. A closed loop system produces quality. So once we put something out there, we start looking at it and these distribution centers become better and better over time. So what we have to recognize in summary is that the pathway to an agile enterprise is the pathway of change to bring about an agile 
organization to optimize the business activities. It's not that this is easy or hard. I just want you to recognize it could be different. Some people are not comfortable with change. I understand that. And that's why this change and approach to us is incremental. You can speed it up, you can slow it down, but please remember, I hope the lesson you're hearing, the key to enterprise agility and flexibility and the responsiveness of the IT organization is based on solid activities that have been around for centuries outside of IT, and now we're bringing them in to IT. Some closing thoughts with a little bit of humor, I hope again. A slightly embellished quote from Indira Gandhi. When you leave, there are four types of people you're gonna meet in the world. And you probably have met all of these. Those that do the work, those that talk about doing the work, those that claim they've done the work already, and those that take the credit. Okay. We suggest you try to be in the first group, there's less competition. Okay. Please join us in that first group. We have a wealth of information that's available to you on our websites. Business Architecture Center of Excellence, BACOE, Enterprise Architecture Center of, Enterprise Architecture Center of Excellence, EACOE, and the soft skills involved there. And we have workshops and certification and all sorts of things that we can quote, sell you. But on our website, we have hundreds of assets for you that you can look at and download and review, just like I gave you some references there before. In summary, we hope that you recognize there is a pathway for us in technology to enable our business faster, better, and cheaper. It involves change and it involves rethinking what we're doing. And as the phrase goes, if you can find a better approach here, be more than happy to hear about it. But what we presented to you here, we hope is the recognition that we are not the first to be facing the requirement for faster, better, cheaper. Our domain is new. The approaches have been around for quite some time. This is who you've been listening to for the last hour. Please do not hesitate to contact us. We will talk to you. We will be happy to talk to you. We'll be happy to respond to email, set up a conference call or a video call. Most importantly, stay healthy, stay well and bring agility to your organization through some of these techniques. And of course, we look forward to hearing from you and hearing your success stories. Thanks again. Is your organization in the internet age when those around you are moving into the information age? Are your hallway conversations filled with words and phrases like blockchain, AI, VR, cloud computing, and micro this and that? Are you interested in bringing some method to the madness? 
Then talk to us. Through years of consulting with clients all over the world, the Pinnacle Business Group and Architecture's Center of Excellence, ACOE, have developed an understanding of what makes a consultant-client relationship work. And this understanding comes to every engagement. We assist organizations in solving their business and system challenges with unique proven approaches, bringing teams of business and system personnel together to jointly define business and system requirements. The teams are led through a series of facilitated activities to provide innovative solutions to business and system challenges. We look forward to hearing from you. Visit PinnacleBusinessGroup.com.